Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ebony, and you are back for another DMT Expresso, that African-American Black History Month version. I will be doing 28 days of content, and you are here for day one. Today, I am talking about some historical aspects of Blacks in comedy with a focus on uh, the production of television show Amos and Andy. So, strap in, get ready, it's about to go down. Okay, so I'm going to start with what what is kind of the importance of comedy? Um, comedy, there is a uh, definition uh, for comedy, uh, which is comedy is a branch of drama which deals with everyday life and humorous events. Uh, it can also mean, play it mean, eh, it also means a play of light and amusing types of theater. Uh, comedy may be defined as a play with a happy ending. And no, not that, but just a, a it's almost like a fairy tale ending, right? Um, it doesn't end in tragedy. It doesn't end uh, with um, something bad happening. Happen, there's something good happening. That's what they mean by happy ending grew up uh, <laughs> but more importantly um, again that's why comedy uh, and drama is a branch right um, comedy can be used uh, to be critical uh, critical of certain issues it can be used as a means to uh, bring lightness to folly vice um, or other things that could be considered more in the serious drama type of way. Uh, so comedy is a very interesting function and has a, it's an interesting way in which people uh, express themselves. So I'm going to jump into the use of comedy in America uh, and how comedy and African Americans have shaped based on history. Uh, so, we'll jump right on in. Alright, so, that is the basis. That is comedy. So, what am I actually going to use this episode for? Well, this episode is going to set the scene uh, for the discussions of comedy this Black History Month. I'm talking blacks and comedy. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, well, and obviously the funny this episode is going to be focused on and, and talking about uh, the emergence of Amos and Andy as the first black sitcom. But in order to kind of prime us to understanding uh, the impact that Amos and Andy had, uh, we also need to talk about some of the historical factors in America leading up to Amos and Andy being what is considered the first black sitcom. So I'm going to take us back to the 19th century. So we're talking about the 1800s uh, here in America. And uh, during the latter half, mainly, of the 19th century, so we're talking the 1800s, uh, there was a form of comedy that used African-Americans as a method of comedy. And so you might be asking yourself, African-Americans was used as a method of comedy to entertain whom? Well, there was a form of comedy known as blackface. Blackface was basically uh, a white person that would 
color their face black um, and have certain characters uh, about themselves that would emulate um, a black person. Um, we're talking demeanor, dialect, uh, and other situational things that were performative uh, that would entertain other white people. So, um, in a large part, these were kind of seen uh, in what is known as minstrel shows, uh, comedic minstrel shows. So, by the early 20th century, uh, black performers had continued on this tradition. And what's interesting enough is they themselves wore blackface to keep with the performative convention at the time. So, we're talking about coming out of the 19th century into the 20th century. Uh, when you finally did have actual black performers, um, they were also coloring them f their own face to make themselves be more performative. So here's the thing, uh, success comes with a price. Those black performers who were also in blackface were still performing for predominantly white audi audiences. And so you got to keep something in mind uh, to make a living. You had to, well, uh, understandably do what you had to do. But I like to talk about uh, what was kind of going on uh, during the 1920s. Uh, one of the f one of the first two uh, people, black comedians, you could say, is Burt Williams and George Walker. Uh, I won't go into their history. I'm just kind of I'm trying to go through this whole thing. Uh, but look them up. Um, they they both managed to break convention of blackface. Not to say that they didn't perform in blackface. They did uh, earlier on, but they were able to break the convention, and they found success without the need for blackface or use of racial stereotypes. And that's pretty significant. That's pretty important. Um, so when it came to comedy, they were some of the first two to break the social convention of needing blackface to find success. Someone else that was very successful during this time was a female comedian known as Moms Mabley. Now what's interesting about her is that not only was she black but she was openly a lesbian woman and so she's considered a her act itself was considered um what we would kind of know from modern stand-up comedy and the thing is she happened to give people laughs for over 40 years so we're gonna move right on along from this era you get a you get a comedian known as Red Fox. Now, you might know him for Sanford his son, but he's also known for his comedic styles. He was edgy, he was raunchy, and quite honestly, he was loved by many generations of people here in America. Uh, he managed to record more than 50 albums, and he was one of the first black comics to perform for a, a white audience on the Vegas Strip. And of course, in the 70s, you know him as the star of Sanford and Son. Now, coming into the 70s, you get more than a few influential comedians. And two of the notable ones is Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor. Uh, Bill Cosby uh, was once considered one of the most influential black comedians of all time. 
Um, his stand-up was great, uh, but what what was great about him ended up being right what he brought for education, and in his sitcom, uh, it was accepted widely accepted by more than just black audiences. It it, it spanned past eco- socioeconomic status beyond race, and so he was one of the most influential individuals uh, that was a black comedian uh, coming out of the seventies. And then, obviously, you have also Richard Pryor. Uh, he's considered one of the greatest stand-up comedians ever. Um, people have tried to emulate his style. He is, he's influenced so many comedians. Um, and he, he, was one of the, he was one of the comedians that attacked racism in his comedy. And for him, he found success. And a lot of his success actually came through film. Uh, he was <laughs> considered a, a little too edgy, a little too raunchy for sitcom, but uh, he was apparently uh, very successful and a and a great actor uh, for film. And so most people, if you didn't know him for his comedy and his stand-up, you definitely knew him for the movies that he put out. And I've seen more than a few of Richard Pryor's movies that was with Gene Wilder. Uh, Love, love that combination together. Now, let's jump into the eighties. So there was a you're following the seventies. You you coming into the eighties, nineties. There's just so many names you can mention that are influential in blacks and comedy. But one of the ones I want to highlight is Eddie Murphy. So literally following in the steps of Eddie Murphy, you or excuse me, Richard Pryor. Following the steps of Richard Pryor, you get Eddie Murphy. And one of his, the, one of the most significant stand-ups of the 80s, 90s, I, most people that hear the name of the stand-up know it. It's known as Delirious. 1983 was Eddie Murphy's stand-up comedy. He's not only notable, notice, uh, notable for the amount of profanity he uses, but that red leather suit he wore. And it's actually a reference to Richard Pryor, who wore like a red shirt during uh, his uh, first uh, comedy stand-up. But what's so important about Delirious is that, I I don't know what it is about that red leather suit, but after he wore that, it was like it influenced other comedians to uh, wear leather suits of some sort uh, (laughs) when they've like, they made it. You you had Martin Lawrence, you had Cat Williams, you had Kevin Hart, uh, and a few other comedians kind of following that footsteps of wearing a leather suit. And interesting enough, if you know the history of comedy, you'll know that uh, a lot of it was brought on by Eddie Murphy. Now, let's jump into the 90s. I'm just going to mention a whole bunch of names. So you've got the whole Wayans family. Let's, let's be real here. Very influential family uh, and just great. Yeah. Chris Rock, Adele, Monique, Samore, Miss Laura, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, Daniel, Donald Glover, um, coming out into the 2000s. Now, the person in the 2000s I want to highlight is Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is, for my generation, I guess my generation's Richard Pryor. Uh, if you are around in 2003, you have seen the Dave Chappelle show. Uh, his brand of comedy uh, was different. Uh, it's <laughs> in it no one was safe uh, he he shed light on incongruities of racial attitudes in America in the 90s and 2000s and his his comedy is so brilliant and subtle at times oftentimes there's misinterpretation or 
it completely is missed by the audience. And I mean, his latest uh, comedy, uh, his latest show, um, actually showed that. Um, I'm not going to jump into it. That's a whole other discussion, and I'm I'm going to stop there on this one. But uh, I will be talking more about Dave Chappelle. I am a I'm a fan. Um, I, I f- he he's got a certain style about him that it's a different type of comedy now. And so if you've you've looked at his sketch comedy versus his stand up, um, you'll you'll see those differences. And oftentimes, it, it, what he does uh, is masterful. Um, he is quite the storyteller. So that kind of gives you some history of blacks in comedy but what was the influence of Amos and Andy on the black sitcom on representation uh, that's what I'm going to talk about now you are taking a blood count here <laughs> three and four subtract two mm, that's the most anemic blood I ever did see it's good seeing you. Uh, so Amos and Andy. So Amos and Andy uh, is actually rooted uh, from a had in a program, radio program from 1926 called Sam and Henry. Uh, it's based on the model of a menstrual show, racial stereotypes, and uh, was voiced by two white entertainers from the late 1920s to 1951. Amos and Andy, the radio show, debuted in 1928 on a Chicago radio station, WMAQ. The White Entertainers was Freeman Gostin and Charles Correll. These white, these white entertainers were basically stereotypical, call, were basically doing stereotypical portrayals of characters, Amos and, well, Andy. Uh, they were basically in the in the characterization of blackface menstrual tradition of the 1800s. So we're talking dialect, annotations, character traits. Uh, F- Gostin um, was Amos, uh, who was uh, what could be considered the earnest hard worker, if you're going by the troop uh, characterizations. Uh, and then Correll was the shiftless friend by, but was like way more worldly. Um, and these were the characters that they played um, while doing the radio uh, version of Amos and Andy. Uh, what's interesting enough is that Gostin and Carell were also, why, we, why I was kind of say it was kind of had roots in Sam and Henry, were also the two voice, voices for Sam and Henry. Um, so these two entertainers uh, actually wrote and did the characterizations uh, for the radio show. Uh, in 1929, uh, Amos and Andy, the radio show, had such a wide audience that it was broadcast nightly, coast to coast, on NBC Radio until 1943 and was then revamped as a weekly situational comedy that lasted until 1955. Now, the radio incarnation lasted until at least 1960. In 1951, CBS launched Amos and Andy the television series with Alvin Childress and Spencer Williams Jr. This was the first TV series to feature an all-black cast. Now, 
it ran into some issues uh, <laughs> for good reason. Uh, you basically had the televised version of a black minstrel comedy show. Uh, and so the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People protested the show because of the negative stereotypes against blacks. The show was canceled uh, in 1953, but remained in syndication until the 1960s. So here's the real question about impact, um, about being on the big screen, uh, being seen in by everyone. Uh, Amos and Andy was a comedy. Uh, it, it was awesome. Uh, it was great. Um, it was entertaining. Uh, but there was a petition. Uh, so originally in 1931, uh, the African American press petitioned the Federal Radio Commission to cancel the show due to unfair representation of blacks. Now, it wasn't because the show was not useful. The show was useful. Uh, but it was the means of the mischaracterizations of blacks. Especially when you had two white entertainers basically putting forward uh, a certain characterization, characterization of blacks uh, that were not, in fact, black. When you get to 1953, when the television show was canceled, uh, you eventually have this, this, um, the show being syndicated. And it was actually sent out and seen to Kenya and Nigeria. And because of how the characterizations of the blacks were, Kenya actually banned the show that same year. In 1964, a Chicago television station uh, announced that they would air reruns of the show, uh, but eventually it was stopped because of national protests. So there, there was, there's a lot of legal uh, ramifications coming from this because of mischaracterizations. It, but it tells you a story about the time, what was going on, the 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 ways, and and it, you talk about this this show lasted so long in, in different media. And I say different media because you, you had television and radio. And so it you had coming out of the 30s into, right, excuse me, coming out of the 20s into the ter 30s and into the, even the 60s. Um, and, it, and it talks about, was the show itself useful? Absolutely. The question is, representation matters, but at what cost? Uh, this is a question that will keep coming up because, uh, again, with success, it appears that it comes at a cost. It's the question of, what is that cost? So, while the show was useful, while the representation mattered, it was how it was being uh, depicted the depiction of black people it would the, the the question of accuracy of depiction of a Harlem community or of the lives and 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 way of life that blacks were dealing with um, even situationally um, during that time and so 
I, I know there's a big uproar because it was a miss what was considered a misrepresentation of blacks uh, but um, now right scholars are looking back and they're talking about Amos and Andy the television show that um, the show actually right depicted a richly textured Harlem community uh, filled with all kinds of, of black people with all kinds of roles and manners of personality um, and it was more than just uh, what was presented up front right explicitly is more like um, implicit right you, you had to dig deeper look deeper into the show um, and what was even more important and I would say that this was an important part was that uh, white characters were unusual on this show it was not a normal occurrence so you did have the representation of black people on the screen uh, and a black cast uh, but again there's always a question of representation um, you can go on YouTube now and, and check out Amos and Andy and, and make your own opinions about the type of impact it has but I've been kind of looking at it and you, and you see some of these um, I call it you know the tr the troops right the tropes um, of characters of situation uh, the, the type of comedy that they're using uh, is actually still used today in certain sitcoms um, so it does have a place in history um, definitely a, a misrepresentation uh, especially if I'm sure my mom will look back on this um, and say yeah yeah um, but what it's what was spurned from it uh, was the ability for other sitcoms, other shows, others uh, to flourish. Um, and we'll, we'll see that coming into this whole month. Um, Amos and Andy his, is historically significant. Um, you've got names like Alvin Childress, Childress, I'm going to say his name wrong, uh, Spencer Williams, Tim Moore, uh, Ernestine Wade. Uh, these people were given a chance. Um, these black comedians were given a chance. Um, and not to say that there weren't others, but when you start talking, being on the small tube screen and being seen by a, a large variety of people, Yes, representation does come with a cost, but it has to start somewhere. And this drove the ability for other things to happen. Um, so there, there's, there's so many leaps and bounds that happen from the early 1900s into the mid 1900s, right? We're talking like, I'm talking like 1900 into actually late 1900s, 1970s, right? There, there there, was just so much that happened in such a small span of time. And so to talk about the implications of this show in radio form, right, or even in uh, the, the television form uh, spanning from the 1920s to the 1950s, 60s, uh, is quite important because there was a lot of things happening. Um, so... Don't try to just look at certain things in a bubble, uh, but you got to look at what was happening uh, across time, place, things. Um, There's so much going on. And so I, I kind of look at it, I try to look at it, right, 
more through the lens of what was the national culture, what was going on in the world at that time, um, and try to bring it all together to see that how influential and how important uh, Amos and Andy, the television show, uh, actually was. Not to take anything away from the radio show, but um, having those names written somewhere in history uh, to tell you today is actually pretty important. So here's my hat off um, to the actors and actresses that played in Amos and Andy uh, you lay the foundation for something um, so check out the links uh, that I provide check out uh, more right on YouTube you can actually see this uh, check out Amos and Andy uh, and give me your own feedback uh, tell me what you think about Amos and Andy and, and this history right of blackface and minstrel comedy shows and even the characterization. What, what do you think about representation? And do you, do you believe it comes with a cost? So thank you for checking in. I will catch you tomorrow with the next topic. Uh, and as always, I'm sending peace, love, positivity, and good vibes. Have a wonderful day.